from the WIA News Hub in Brisbane and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Hello there, I'm Graham VK4BB. Welcome along to VK1 WIA and the National News Service for week commencing Valentine's Day, Feb 14, 2010. Wyson Tasmania South, assisted by other amateurs, has been providing support to the Tasmania Fire Service in the Derwent Valley since February 1. Three shifts are being worked each day, with some operators doing doublers or even triplers. The job involves contacts with IMT staff, helicopters, and with TAS Fire, Forestry and Parks personnel on the fire ground. It includes message passing and collating weather reports. At the 2010 Bundaberg Regional Council's Australia Day celebrations, the Mayor presented John, or Rusty McGrath, with the Bundaberg Senior Citizen of the Year Award. In presenting the major awards of the ceremony, the Mayor made mention of the personal sacrifice and years of voluntary service by the award recipients. For those in the Bundaberg Club, they only need to read some of the club history to know that when Rusty, VK4JM, was elected President in 2008 and again in 2009, it wasn't a matter of... Who can we get to do the job? It was a welcome home for Rusty, who had also been club president 45 years ago. Now nearing his 80th birthday, Rusty must surely be one of the most active presidents in amateur radio today, and he leads the Bundy Club by fine example. WIA centenary-supported events and the latest to become a WIA-supported centenary event is the Radio, Electronics and Astronomy Expo being held April 2, 3, 4 and 5 in the old Bendigo Fire Station, View Street. The WIA welcomes the association of SACCH activities with the Centenary Year program. This gives those running SACCH activities the ability to use the WIA Centenary logo in all publicity material. Now, full details of this arrangement can be found in the WIA Centenary section when you visit wia.org.au. Any club, group or individual seeking the WIA support for the activity to be associated with the Centenary celebrations should contact the Centenary Committee Chairman, David Wardlaw, VK3ADW. And planning is well advanced for the WIA centenary activities taking place in Canberra, the nation's capital, over the weekend, Friday 28th through Sunday 30th of May, the event being just part of the year-long WIA centenary celebrations. Highlights of the weekend will include a series of presentations on the early days of radio and a Saturday evening centenary dinner with local and overseas dignitaries in attendance. The Friday evening program will include a guest speaker followed by dinner at the Alto Revolving Restaurant on Black Mountain's Telecommunications Tower. WIA and Michael Owen, VK3KI, is our president and he joins us today. Robert Broomhead, VK3DN, resigned as a director of the WIA with effect from 31 December 2009, leaving a vacancy on the board. That resignation was accepted with considerable regret and an acknowledgement of Robert's great contribution. Not totally lost, as Robert has continued to assist us in some areas. Under the WIA Constitution, the Board is obliged to appoint a director to take Robert's place for the balance of Robert's term. The WIA Board has accordingly appointed Philip Adams, VK3JNI, a director for the balance of Robert's term, which ends with the 2011 Annual General Meeting. Phil's background is technical, and more recently he has completed various business qualifications. 
He was first licensed in 1985 and has been a WIA member since then. Since 1977, he has been a scout leader, most recently as a training officer with the Scout Radio and Electronics Service Unit for Victoria. He is a CFA volunteer firefighter with over 30 years' experience, holding wildfire and low-structure certifications. He was appointed a WIA Assessor in 2008 and a WIA Nominated Assessor last year. He brings to the WIA a mix of experiences, including firefighting and extensive experience of working with young people, all very valuable to the WIA as we address the issues of emergency communications and seek to attract new and younger amateurs. Counting down to our centenary, we are the Wireless Institute of Australia, the world's oldest amateur radio society. Hams across Australia, I'm VK6KAD. VK1, notice is hereby given of the annual general meeting of the members of the Canberra at Region Amateur Radio Club Incorporated at Mount Mugga Scout Hall. That's in Astrolabe Street, Red Hill, Wednesday 24 February at 8pm. VK2, it's off to university. Now news of a brand new radio club. Macquarie University Amateur Radio Club is seeking students, staff and members of the Macquarie University community with an interest in electronics or ham radio to join us in establishing this exciting new club. Macquarie is a centre of excellence in wireless engineering and we wish to bring the world of amateur radio and all it offers to students and its researchers. If you or if you know of anybody who is interested, particularly students, please contact Adam, vk2jsi at muarc.org or visit our website, www.muarc.org. Still in VK2, February meets include Hornsby on the 23rd, Central Coast Centenary Dinner at Wyong on Saturday evening 27, a joint operation between the Central Coast ARC and the Amateur Radio New South Wales. It will commence at 6pm. For registration, contact Brian Kelly, VK2WBK 0400-445-829. Central Coast Centenary Field Day at Wyong on the 28th. The Wagga Amateur Radio Club has recently commenced expanding and improving its club repeaters in southwest New South Wales. After many years of discussing and planning, they have completed the first phase of the project. This involved the installation of a new repeater on Mount Square Knob north of Narandra on 146.850 and linked with the Wagga repeater on 146.750. To cover the eastern side of the area, the link has continued on to the Tumut repeater on 146.800. To access these repeaters, you need to enable CTCSS on your radio on the national frequency of 91.5 Hz. The IRLP node of 6260 is also accessible from any of these three sites. The next phase will be the installation of two more repeaters that will be linked with the existing three, one on Mount Galore near Lockhart in the far southwest and the other on Mount Bathungra near Cootamundra to the northeast of Wagga Wagga. It is hoped that this work will be completed by the middle of this year. When finished, it will be possible, for instance, to travel from Cootamundra on the Olympic Way through to just north of Albury and from Tumut over to Griffith and have mobile coverage most of the way.
For more information, contact the Wagga Club via its website at www.wagga-arc.org.au. And whilst on news from Wagga, a special meeting of the Wagga Amateur Radio Club will be held at the Leeton Scout Hall on Sunday, the 28th of February, commencing at 11am. A sausage sizzle barbecue will be on offer, as will tea and coffee. If you're an amateur in the Leeton, Narandra or Griffith areas, or interested in becoming one, then why not come along and hear of the Wagga Club's plans? And for more information, contact me, John, VK2YW, at my email address of VK2YW at wia.org.au. 7-3 from the Wagga Amateur Radio Club. Wagga to VK3, and next month's regular NERG meeting is on Thursday the 11th of March at 7.45pm at Bryhill Community Hall, 126 Mountain View Road. A couple of weeks ago, Simon, VK3 ZNT, dropped the national news at wia.org.au a note, and I read from that now. Ladies and gentlemen, the Oxfam Trail Walker is on again, and I need your help. The Oxfam Trail Walker event <coughs> will be held on April 16, 17, 18 over the same course as last year. As you are aware, this event runs continuously over three days and is one of the most hungry man-hour events the YSEN is involved in. We are once again requesting your help in running the safety and logistics communications for this event as you have most generalistic given of your time and skills in the past. We are requesting an early indication as to whether you are able to assist as this event requires a lot of planning. We would appreciate it if you would reply by email or phone as soon as you decide one way or the other. All phone number URLs are of course in the text edition of this week's news. Best read when you visit wia.org.au Speaking of reading the text editions, VK4 readers of Q News, you now get your local news in the VK4 area within this national news script. So make sure you read us again, bwia.org.au. Trevor Tag, VK4, BAT, the voice of the National WIA Identification, is also the publicity officer of the Gympie Radio Amateur Club. Trev joins us now with news of a disaster exercise. The Gympie Regional Council and Local Emergency Services in conjunction with the Gympie Communications and Electronics Group will be holding a simulated cyclone emergency field day in June. Early planning is already underway to represent amateur radio communication and to demonstrate our independence and versatility to assist in times of failure or overload of the normal communications lines. More information as details develop. VK6, and in VK6 it is a quiet week which gives you all a chance to prepare for the Hills Amateur Radio Group Swap Meet, which is on Saturday, February the 27th, at their club rooms on the corner of Sanderson and Brady Roads, Les Moody. Sellers set up from 12pm. Buyers admitted from 2pm. Entry fee is $2. There will be a limited amount of WIA 2010 centenary core books for sale, so get in quick. A sausage sizzle and raffle are also being run. VK7. The REAST AGM will start at 11am on Sunday the 21st of February following the broadcast at the Queen's Domain Club Rooms. There will be a BYO barbecue after the AGM. All committee positions are open for nomination and nomination forms can be found at the club rooms on the REAST website. VK8. If you are in Darwin any time, try to get along to the club meetings on the first Wednesday of the month. 
As Spud VK8ZWM says, meetings are held at Sports House, Waratah Crescent, Fanny Bay. Meetings start at 7pm. We also have a weekly gathering of members and interested people Thursday mornings. Yep, Thursday mornings it is between 10am and around noon. Again at the club rooms for a cuppa, a chat and a tinker. Oh, they love doing that on a Thursday morning, I can tell you. An auction of pre-love gear is pencilled in for April meeting. Time to clean out your shack and bring it down to the club rooms for the auction. Darwin Amateur Radio Club Incorporated is participating in the East Point Military Museum's Open Day celebrations to mark the start of the bombing of Darwin Week. That is today, Sunday the 14th of February, with a special event station, VK8DA Portable. The club will be operating portable on 20 metres, around 14175, and IRLP node 6343, which is on the Darwin City Repeater, that's Repeater 7000, from the Military Museum grounds. The club may be displaying some World War II radio sets and associated bits and pieces as well. Please drop in and say good day between 9am and 4pm Central Standard Time or give us a call at VK8DA Portable on either the repeater or 20 metres. A QSL car will be prepared for this special event. I'm Spud, VK8ZWM, on behalf of the Darwin Amateur Radio Club. Thanks, Spud. And this is VK6KAD signing off from... Hams across Australia. From the WIA News Hub in Perth and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. Education, Youth and Advancement of Amateur Radio. I'm James, VK6NAH. At the Central Coast Centenary Field Day at Wyong on the 28th of February, will be provisioned to sit for any grade of exams. For registration for the exams, contact Brian Kelly, VK2WBK, on 0400-445-829. Radio and Electronics Association of Southern Tasmania 10th Model Makers and Collectors Exhibition will happen on the 20th to the 21st of March at the Duwent Entertainment Centre. REAST has attended these exhibitions and presented amateur radio to the public before and say the exhibition is a great chance for REAST to show Hobartians how dynamic and interesting our hobby is. From emergency communications, target comms, satellites, amateur radio on the International Space Station, de-expeditions, Morse code packet, optical communications, amateur radio direction finding, mobile and portable operation, Echolink, ATV, the list is endless and it makes for some great demonstrations at the exhibition. If you'd like to be involved, then contact President Gavin, VK7HGO, or a committee member ASAP. During the course of us studying for our various ham exams, we came across the works of truly great experimenters. James Watt is one such gentleman, and in a moment Jim Linton continues our series of The Unit Men with the story of this great Scotsman. Seeing radio waves with a light bulb. In an article from Make Magazine, Diana Eng, KC2UHB, demonstrates how, by using a low-power amateur radio transmitter and a simple light bulb receiver circuit, we see how radio waves and electromagnetic induction transmit energy and signals wirelessly into the air. We also see how dipole and Yagi antennas radiate their energy in different patterns. Now visit the MAKE website and see how to build your own dipole receiving antenna.
Remembering the Unit Men. Hello, I'm Jim Linton, VK3PC, with another in the series of brief looks at those who made discoveries and have their names as units of measurement. Scotsman James Watt, born in 1736, displayed an aptitude for mathematics, showed great manual dexterity, and after the loss of both parents did not attend school regularly, but travelled to London to study instrument making for a year. On his return to Scotland, he faced a barrier with his qualification not being locally recognised. However, he was befriended by a couple of influential professors at the University of Glasgow who allowed him to set up a small workshop. He was an inventor, very skilled with his hands, enabling him to make scientific measurements and many substantial contributions to the Industrial Revolution, such as the Watt steam engine. Watt led the way to changes in the generation and application of power. Watt gained recognition as a Fellow of the Royal Society of Edinburgh and the Royal Society of London, plus membership of bodies in France and the Netherlands. The memory of this significant figure in the history of technology lives on through statues, memorials, institutions and even street names. At the 11th General Conference on Weights and Measures in 1960, the Watt was incorporated into the international system of units. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In the Shepparton and Northeastern districts, it can be heard at 7.30pm Sundays on 146650 2-metre repeater VK3RGV. I'm Neil, VK3KAL. Radio in your inbox. VK1WIA. Now podcasting to the world. International news with thanks to RSGB, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Scanner Radio News. From New Zealand comes a report that a Scanner Radio listener has caused a family a lot of unnecessary grief. After hearing police radio traffic about the death of a forestry worker, the listener then took it upon themselves to telephone who they thought was the family of the deceased to tell their loved one had died. This negligent and most inappropriate action not only caused a family much distress, but diverted police resources needed to reassure them that it was not their relative who had been killed by a fallen tree. Police have severely criticised the scanner listener, though it is not known if criminal charges will follow. A new secure digital police radio system now operating in Wellington will be rolled out during this year and put an end to eavesdropping on police communications. Top band for Spanish hams in contests. At the request of Spain's National Ham Radio Society, the Spanish Director-General of Telecommunications has permitted the use of 160-metre top band in certain contests. In all, some seven contest periods through the end of the year will permit Spanish hams the use of 1810 to 2000 kilohertz. A complete listing will soon be online at that society's website. From the weird and wonderful file. Hello, I'm Jim Linton, VK3PC. The name Frank Shaylor is little known, but he was the technician who invented the modern electric toaster back in 1909, some two decades before sliced bread. While most of us enjoy toast, the kitchen toaster can't cope with the wide variety of bread that's available. Fire authorities blame the variable moisture content in bread for causing many household blazes, and they can be problematic too for some smoke detectors. 
But now it appears that the smell of toast, or even worse, a fire, could be a thing of the past for those who switch up to a see-through toaster. This new development has double insulated clear glass on both sides, giving a panoramic view of each slice. The technology used is quartz elements in the corner of the toaster and the heat evenly radiates across the bread. You can actually watch it happening. The see-through toaster can easily handle crumpets, muffins, croissants and even those hot cross buns now available in your local supermarket. It does come at a hefty price tag of around $500. Wonder if it can be claimed as a fire protection device on home insurance policies. It's weird and it's wonderful. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Operational News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ. Special Events and On-Air Contest Column, Dateline 2010. February 27 and 28, NZART Jock White Memorial Field Day Contest. March 13 and 14, RSGB Commonwealth Contest, BEIU. March 20 and 21, WIA John Moyle Field Day. April 30 to May 6, Westlake CQ Repeater Contest. May 8, WIA VK Trans-Tasman 80 Metres Phone. 2010 VK Trans-Tasman Contest. 10th anniversary of the VK Trans-Tasman Contest. 80 metres on Saturday the 8th of May and 160 metres on Saturday the 12th of June. Two major changes that come to mind during that time were the introduction of the 160 metres contest and the deletion of the CW category. The adoption of the VLCR logging program as the preferred system also seems to have been embraced by most operators. The contests have been fine-tuned and tweaked most years to improve, make fairer and to accommodate change. The trophies have got bigger and the number of certificates issued has increased. The workload of the contest manager was becoming a burden, but the demise of the CW category and the assistance of Rob Glassy, ZL3AKM, who is now checking the ZL logs, has reduced the workload. Rob also helped with the VK logs and log receipt replies, while Bruce Friend, the contest manager, was overseas last year. Make your preparations well in advance. Get your gear up to scratch, and those multi-operators planning a night out on a hill or an island, do your logistics. These contests are for your enjoyment and to stimulate the hobby. They are good fun for all levels of operator, and undoubtedly the best there is for VKs and ZLs. New Zealand's VHF Field Day in December proved a huge success with the exception of VK4, Contact was made with all VK states along with VK1. Six and two metres saw ZL4AA take out the prize. The greatest distance on six was ZL2KO to VK6KDX, some 5397 kilometres. On three centimetres, 10.3 gigahertz, some 121 kilometres, ZL1AA to ZL1BQ. Special event calls Beacon, DX, and Net Advice. QSL delivery at Ross. Norm BK7AC and Brian BK7RR have collated many thousands of QSL cars for amateurs across VK7, and these will be brought to Ross at the Meet the Voice Barbecue March 21 for distribution to the amateur in question or to a nearby amateur for delivery. VK6DS David is in the Solomons until April. He advised Newswest VK6KAD that he obtained H44DS and is operating now until April 2010. He cannot give a schedule as it will be in as possible operation, but initially he will be looking for 40, 20 and 6 metres. Listen out and work him. Awards. 
the FIS Military Appreciation Award. The North American FIS CW Club has announced a new Operating Achievement Award, the USA FIS Military Appreciation Award. To earn the award, make two-way CWQSOs with 100 FIS members who are US military veterans or currently serving in the US military. And finally, from Egget's Wireless Weather. The Times newspaper in the UK reports that scientists warn solar activity could hit London 2012 Olympic Games. The story was headlined, Solar Firestorm Threat to 2012 Games. It describes the possibility that television and internet networks could be disrupted by solar activity. 2012 will be near the peak of the 11-year solar cycle. Space Weather reports that the sudden emergence of Big Sunspot 1045 over last weekend caused a sharp uptick in solar activity. The active region produced three M-class and almost a dozen C-class solar flares with the strongest blast an M6-class eruption Sunday 7, hurling coronal mass ejection towards Earth. Even before last weekend, the ISES solar cycle number sunspot progression chart showed a long-awaited upturn. The chart has been updated with sunspot data until January 10 and can be seen on the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration NOAA-Space Weather Prediction Centre website. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. I'm Jeff, VK4ZPP, from the Gympie Communications and Electronics Group. In the Gympie region, you can hear the news on 146.800 and 146.850 MHz at 9am. Now on VK1WIA, it's off to the Q News workbench and actually being, shall we say, follically challenged. I'm not too sure about this story that Murray Lewis VK3EZM has in store for us. Perhaps some old-timers remember when they purchased a truly portable two-metre rig, such as the ICOM IC215, about the size of two house bricks and weighing 1.9 kilogram. A few years later, the smaller FT208R came on the market, this time about half the size and half the weight. With the arrival of the FT26, however, hams were relieved that a small handheld had been achieved and weighing 430 gram, this two metre handheld was able to be carried everywhere. Today, a new generation of small handhelds are available from all the well-known manufacturers. Some of these dual band two metre, 70 centimetre radios, which include a broad range of receiver frequencies, are only slightly larger than a credit card, even though capable of nearly two watts on transmit. But just how small will radios become? Recently, physicists at the University of California, America, announced they had constructed a fully functional, fully integrated radio receiver, orders of magnitude smaller than any previous radio. Constructed from a single carbon nanotube, the radio is less than a micron long and only 10 nanometers wide, or 10,000 times thinner than a single human hair. A matching miniature transmitter is planned to be built soon. Go to the Nanotube Radio website, view the videos that were photographed through a high-resolution electron microscope, and listen to the receiver as it plays Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. 
Rewind, a look back at our history through the serialised written history by WIA Centenary Committee member Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, with assistance of others, that is being published in the WIA journal Amateur Radio Magazine. An era of intrigue and struggle. Within the groups of experimenters in most states in the 1920s, there were those who sensed the commercial possibilities of the new science and, naturally, differences arose with conflicting interests. Some felt that their local society should become the backbone of a fledgling professional organisation, while others had an interest in wireless solely as private experimenters, a hobby or part-time interest. In New South Wales, and to a lesser extent in other states, some were responsible for focusing the organisation towards one catering for the needs of the new emerging broadcast industry. In 1932, following a period of inconvenience and indeed confusion for many amateur experimenters, the professional members took over the Wireless Institute of Australia in New South Wales. Much of the instability was due to the admission of voting non-transmitting experimenters to the Institute membership and issues surrounding non-electricians dealing with 240 volts AC mains power. This culminated in the licensed transmitting experimenters losing control of their own organisation. Thankfully, the turmoil in New South Wales resolved itself. The wireless experimenters were able to reform nationally as the Wireless Institute of Australia and the Institution of Radio Engineers became Australia's professional radio organisation. Thanks Jim and thank you for listening to the national news from VK1WIA. Next week, as Stuart mentioned a little earlier in this program, the news will be originating from Wyong as they prepare for the big East Coast Field Day for 2010. I'm Graham VK4BB. Thanks for listening and walk softly. In the nation's capital with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.